BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Rogers, who the only place he's going to take it to is the toilet bowl. And then you got Brett Farr, who will take it to the Super Bowl. I do like me a triple butter burger with cheese and the works, you know, ketchup, mustard, pickles. Could the package be really good? Yeah, I, I certainly would love that. But also, to say that, is this look like a rebuild? Probably. If you think we're in a rebuild, then you got the wrong team. QB1, man. Come on, man. <laughs> Best Come QB on. in the league right What's here, What's up, money? He ran right front now, like, What's up, guys? This is Jeff Janis. And Janis does it. Stop it. Oh, please. What a cat. That's insane. And you're listening to the Poor Man's Packers Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Poor Man's Packers Podcast, the one Packers Podcast in the state of our minds. I am Spencer, joined this week with Billy and Todd, boys. Hello, hello. Greetings, gentlemen. Oh, boy, that was loud, Billy. And we are back once again. Another, another loss for the Green Bay Packers, losing 34-20. to The Packers are now 6-8. and You know, two weeks ago, I said everything is awesome. Everything is not awesome right now. We will get into the game, but starting things off, kicking it off. Billy, I, Billy had an unbelievable feat this weekend where he was living the plot of a sitcom where he did not watch the game Sunday and avoided spoilers until Monday when he watched the game. Billy, can you can you break a break it down a little bit for how you were able to do this? Yeah, so I went to Chicago, flew out of the Twin Cities here, flew into Chicago on Friday afternoon for a Christmas party with a couple of friends from college. And I made the point going in, I was not going to follow the game. I was not going to seek out the score. I was I was going to try and go the entire weekend without seeing anything from the game uh, so that I could record it at home and, and watch it basically, quote-unquote, live on Monday afternoon. So I went through you know, the effort of unfollowing any subreddit that I felt might, wow. you know, tip me off on the game. So NFL, Packers, NFC North, you know, the the Lions, the Bears, the Vikings, whatever, just because I knew that something could come up. And then I also deleted the ESPN app from my phone so I wouldn't be tempted. So Sunday, it was pretty easy. My friends are not Packers fans at all. Um, so Sunday wasn't really that big of a deal. 
Monday, especially at the airport flying out of Midway, that was that was the challenge, we'll say. <laughs> I you know, go through security and made a point not to wear any Packers gear because I didn't <laughs> yeah, want anybody yeah. to even say anything I off the cuff to me. And I'm walking through the terminal and there's a big sports bar in the, the atrium there. And I just so happened to glance up at a TV and I immediately recognized the Packers green jerseys, yellow, yellow helmets, and see the Bucks in those, what is it, pewter pants or whatever yeah. color that is. Dumb. And I see some dude breaking free on a long touchdown. I was far enough away I could recognize that's what was happening. Could not see what the game situation was, what the score, any of that was. That was the only play that semi-ruined <laughs> yeah. the game for me. But it I told you, Spencer, it did not give me any warm and fuzzies. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, so I sat down at the airport bar, and they had, like, Good Morning America on one of the TVs or something. So I wasn't too concerned. Next thing I know, I look up, and they've got ESPN Get Up going. It's like, oh, crap. Okay, I can't look at this TV anymore. And then two guys sat down next to me. They started talking about the Lions beating the Broncos on Saturday night. It was like, okay, I need to put in my earbuds so that I don't hear them talk about the Packer game next. So managed to get home. That play that I saw in the replay was the only spoiler. And then Spencer, I texted you after that play finally came up, which the longer that game went on without me seeing mm -hmm. that play, the worse I felt. And I texted you something like, I can't believe I went through all this time and effort to watch some no-name receiver <laughs> yeah. score the back-breaking touchdown on us in that fashion. Yeah, pretty awful that it ended up being <laughs> that's the game. You went through all the effort to not get spoiled. But yeah, getting into the game, we'll talk about the offense, the defense. Take news, we're going to talk about the dysfunction of the defense altogether. We'll have Is Kyle and Idiots and Packers trivia and then preview the Panthers game. But opening thoughts again here, losing 34 to 20. The playoff hopes have dropped quite a bit. I think the New York Times had it has us at like 22, 23% chance to make the playoffs. But as we kind of went along with last year on the podcast, the thing to look at is if we went out, what are the chances that we're in? And if we went out, it's 97%. So, you know, trying to stay a little optimistic here. And big picture for me, Sunday sucked. That was really bad. The defense was awful. But again with this year, the rebuild year, and it's not like this is a super original take here, but I'm pretty happy. It's it's one of those things. Like we put the poll out last week before this game, after the Giants game. Would you rather make the playoffs or have Joe Barry get fired after this year. We had over 100 uh, votes in the poll. It was 68% said they would rather have Joe Barry fired than make the playoffs. And that was before this game, which is crazy. But it goes back to how this is a rebuilding year, just trying to figure shit out. The fact that Jordan Love, I know he didn't have a perfect game, a fantastic game or anything here, but he's the guy. I think we're pretty confident in him being a decent quarterback here. The young weapons around him, I'm very optimistic with this offense. You know, not just the players too, but Matt LaFleur, I think he has answered the bell here with getting one. He, you know, had Aaron Rodgers, you know, as the head coach, Aaron Rodgers got two MVP years out of him. Two, he's, it seems like he's developed Jordan Love to be a franchise quarterback, which is great. And on top of that, the other positive of this year, 
is Joe Barry just has to fucking get fired after this. There's he cannot he cannot come back this year after these past couple games. Like if if something happens here, and we'll talk about it with take news where Matt tries to bring him back, then we're really in a clusterfuck. But overall, I'm trying to look big picture here. If we were going into next year, you know, if say we won out, we won the last five games of the season, we make the playoffs. Joe Barry's back next year. I just feel like we're wasting years of our life watching football every time Joe Barry comes back. I don't know if you guys feel similarly on that or if you have other big thoughts after this game with the defense and how you're viewing it. Todd, what do you think? Mm, no, I think we all love Joe Barry. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. What is Joe Barry? He's like a minutia of horrible. It's different every week. You never know what you're going to get. Uh, really fun to see, right? Gives you warm fuzzies mm-hmm, every mm-hmm. time you turn the TV on a Sunday or a Monday or a Thursday. Um, or maybe a, a Friday. We had a Friday game this year. Anyways, um, I don't know. Defense, horrible. Secondary needs to be overhauled. I feel like um, there's the Jair issue. But in general, that secondary was looking pretty gross. Maybe it's Joe Barry. Maybe it's a combination of a couple key players. Um, but the offense, like you're talking about, is so exciting. Like this might be as far as like contributors on the offense. I'm not going to say like the best offensive draft class the Packers ever had. That would be a little crazy, but like these key contributors, Musgrave, Kraft, Reed, Wicks, um, even Malik Heath in the blocking. And now he is, I mean, when he, I mean, he can catch the ball too. I mean, all these guys, was five rookies right there that are making impacts, right? I mean, this is really an impressive group. So that's one thing I'm really excited about. Yeah, Spencer, I think if you remember last year, I was I was already on the I'd rather miss the playoffs if it means Joe Barry is gone train. So that has not changed at all. So I've already talked enough about Joe Barry. That's how much he deserves for me today. Um, but I do want to point out two things. First, to your point, Todd, uh, I saw a stat this week that Jordan loves numbers when he targets the rookies, Reed and Wicks and Heath and the tight ends. He is much, much more efficient targeting them than he is anybody else on the team, Watson and Dobbs and Dylan and Jones. So that tells me that these guys are getting it and they're getting it early. And I think the sky is the limit for their careers. The other thing I wanted to point out is, and I think it's been talked about in the media a little bit, but I don't know that we've talked about it on this podcast, the job that Tom Clements in particular has done with Jordan Love and his footwork and his improvement, I don't think it can be overstated. Yeah, and we talked about it a little bit this off season. I know, um, because the big thing for me, honestly, the most optimistic the biggest piece of information that made me optimistic about Jordan Love was that Tom Clements came back to coach him. You know, we talked about that in training. That's fair. It. But you're absolutely right. And it's kind of funny because, you know, like we said, then he he's they were like, hey, did you want to come back? Did you have a hanker in the coach? He's like, no, I wanted to win a Super Bowl. And then he stuck around for Jordan Love. So that's interesting. But yeah, he's one of the more unsung coaches, I guess, because obviously Jordan Love, whatever he turns into Aaron Rodgers, Kyler Murray, and he was a quarterback coach for this too. I forgot who else he coached up. God, I know there's a couple he, other names. I mean, he was with Brett Favre <clears throat> when when McCarthy came in and, and Favre kind of had that late career renaissance where he, you know, cut down on the intercept, yeah. at interceptions and started to play as within the offense as you could get a 37-year-old Brett Favre to do at that time. 
Yeah, so it's very impressive. I'm wondering, too, if he's going to stick around next year. That I was kind of thinking about that. I was doing a little bit of research on the position coaches this week, and it would be a little odd if he left now. I was wondering because, you know, obviously with the shit going on on the defensive side of the ball with the coaches and Jerry Gray leaving next year, I was like, I wonder if Tom maybe just wouldn't want to coach next year. I don't know. Well, I'm very curious to see what happens this offseason, not just with Joe Barry, but the rest of the coaching staff as well. Um, moving on to the offense though, starting with Jordan Love, of course, a up and down game. It was kind of weird seeing his stats after, cause I took notes during the game, you know, like I always do. And there was a lot of just, oh, just a lot of misses, but 29 out of 39, 284 yards, two touchdowns, a 111.5 passer rating, but a 50.3 QBR. But, and I don't think this is an original thought either, but his game, especially early on in this game, reminded me of myself playing basketball. So I'm not very good at basketball. You know, I had some, the one thing I would do is like behind the back passes, but I wasn't always very good at them. But I can only really dribble with my right hand. You know, if I'm driving, you know, I'm going to the right. And Jordan Love going to the left throwing the ball has been a struggle, especially this game throwing to the left. <laughs> was a little bit rough. Um, you know, he had that attempt on the first series where he missed Jaden Reed on that fourth down, which wasn't great, you know, just way too wide. He had another throw where he put Reed in an awkward position, threw behind him, a couple screens again to, like, Aaron Jones just a little bit behind him or a little too late. And, God, the last two weeks, I don't know what it is with the checkdowns where he's checking it down short on, like, third down. One of them was fine because it did lead to a field goal, but it was, like, three different times in this game. So I was down a little bit, but that pass to Jaden Reed late in the game, I think it was the third quarter or fourth quarter, is one of those where you're watching, and it's like that, you know, that home Holmgren quote about forward. No, 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 yes, because I'm watching. I'm like, just run. It was, I think it was third down. It's like, just run, and then you see him whip the ball, and it's a perfect, accurate throw. Couldn't have been in a better spot. Touchdown. That was the. F- I mean, we've had a couple of, of them this year, but that was the one real like, oh shit, Jordan Love throw. I thought. Yeah, I mean, I think in general, Jordan Love played pretty well. There was some inconsistencies, but we see that week in and week out, it seems like, with Jordan Love. I thought overall, I mean, his numbers weren't amazing or anything, but that's kind of been the story with the the, uh, completion percentage. But I think I just, it keeps coming back to me, like these playmakers around him, I think with some more time, even if he... Even if this is what he turns out to be is he's a bit of a gunslinger with some consistency issues, but like he can make the throws. I think guys around him can bail him out from time to time. Like it's going to be a success, right? Like if you put if you put a 2011 Packers offense around Jordan Love, you're going to have similar results as Aaron Rodgers. I'm not saying the same, but like he can make the throws, right? And like that's what we see when he steps into it like he can make the throws. He can also make like the fun, no look throws and stuff like that. But like he is the best when he is stepping up in the pocket and slinging the ball. And that's, what's fun to watch. Yeah. This game from Jordan love kind of felt similar to the giants game. I remember that game. Like he was a little shaky coming out of the gate. Uh, You know, same kind of thing this week against Tampa, missed some easy throws. Like you said, Spencer, a couple of dump offs, you know, or even, even a ball that is complete but just puts it in a bad spot, like throws it high and behind or something like that, doesn't allow his his receiver to turn up and, 
and try and make a play, get some yards after the catch, pick up a first down, something like that. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, he still made some throws that made you go, wow. Or, you know, you, you saw him, you know, get better as the game went on. I'm going to be honest. I was surprised when the game was over to look at his stat line and see that he threw for nearly 300 yards because right. he didn't have any big plays. He had some chunks. He had that 36-yarder to craft, had a couple of 20-yarders to read and wicks. But for the most part, it just seemed to be, you know, consistent you know, short to intermediate throws that he got better on and started hitting on those. And I mean, really stacked up the the yards when everything was said and done. So I had a really genius thought again this week. I, I think I want him to wear like weighted cleats just so that he can keep his feet on the ground more. Cause that's the issue that we're seeing on these balls that he's a little bit off on. It's like, just keep, keep your plant foot down, you know, and just let it rip, you know, because those that seems to be that consistently has been the issue when there are issues are his footwork. And that's what we've heard, you know, since training camp that he's been working on and what he worked on last year with Tom Clements. Last year was just all footwork, apparently, for training with him. So I'm glad we're seeing most of that, you know, improving his game. But, you know, once again, we it's hard to criticize Jordan Love for how well he's been playing this year. Um, it feels like sometimes he's almost too comfortable in the pocket like the way that he bounces on his yeah. on the balls of his feet it's like and I'm not a quarterback guru I could be you know completely off base but it I don't know that that's something that you want your quarterback doing back there it seems like you mm-hmm. kind of want him in a position to be ready to to grip it and rip it pass catchers I mean we gotta you know I I've said this before on the podcast my boy <laughs> you have you have so many boys on no I have the boy well, I'm going to start off with the other the boy, I guess. I, I you, well, There's I, only one. Well, we'll figure out who you're talking about. Like I said before, now that I'm old, you know, I'm 31. 31? I'm 31. Um, I don't plan on, like, buying another Packer jersey of, like, a current Packer player. But my God, if Tucker Craft is not going to test me on that, I every week, every week when I put down the notes for the podcast, I just start like the last four weeks, it's like, I love Tucker craft. I, I just, I love Tucker craft four for 53. The tutty had the long pickup of 36 where he hurdled the dude and got hit. The knuck. like it, everything is, he's a caricature of what a meathead football player is. Like, of course he got hit in the nuts while trying to jump over a guy. Um, yeah. And he scored the touchdown right after the, um, forced fumble that, uh, JJ had for us. He had the whole, after the game, he said the only team that could beat the Packers are the Packers. You know, he's had these other quotes about violence. And it's back to how I think he's changing the mentality of this offense, which we touched on a little bit last week, too, with him talking about, like, how he looks for violence at the line of scrimmage. And it reminds me of Ty Dune and why I fucking hate Ty Dune. So Ty Dune, of course, I think people have seen this, what he wrote about the Buffalo Bills and... uh McDermott their head coach this week and it yeah there's some bad stuff in there but at the end of the day it's just a lot of drama like there wasn't anything terrible in it it's just a lot of just he he's a storyteller that's the thing too he's got a good taste in music he likes culture wall he likes um uh, Croce what's his first name I can why can't I remember his first name but a lot of good storytellers in their music his articles are just telling stories and hyping shit up way more than it has to be so this is This is from a few years ago from an article he had titled 
the Green Bay Packers have a plan, and it's genius too. And he's talking about how as they are competing for a Super Bowl with Rodgers, Goody's also building this team underneath as well. He referenced, you know, Jordan Love, and he talked about how A.J. Dillon is a unicorn and how he's going to bust onto the scene because of how what a freak he is and all this. And then he talks about someone else on that Packers team, okay? And this is part of that article. Quote, the other playoff losses in this Green Bay Super Bowl title, those haven't been pretty either. One thing seems to prevail. The Packers are exposed as, frankly, soft. They're bullied. They're ejected into the offseason with a black eye. Here's the good news. Those days are over. He then goes on to talk about a player on the Packers in the playoffs. Can I guess? Who got, we'll get to that, who who was who got so pissed at Jadavion Clowney and was talking shit to him. And he's like, I'm not going to let anyone, like, I'm not going to back down from anyone. And Ty Dune's just hyping up this mentality. Do you know who he's talking about? Okay, I want can I? Yeah, yeah, guess. Josiah DeGuara. <laughs> Worse. Jace Sternberger. I thought Jace Sternberger at the beginning, but I was like, there's no way. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's one of the reasons why I don't like Ty Dune is because he just he goes into these stories with preconceived narratives and just builds it up. So anyways, anyways, so we have Tucker Craft. He's the real guy who's like changing that man mentality that Ty Dune was telling us four years ago. We didn't have to worry about. Um, I don't. Do you guys have any other thoughts on Tucker Craft? I just I fucking love Tucker. So Craft. We're, or if we're grouping him, we're not going to do a tight end segment, right? Is that we're just we're going to yeah, talk pass about catchers. I'm trying to simplify okay. things. Pass okay. catchers. Yeah. So my mic just fell. So okay, cool. here we go. Um, the what I was going to talk about, my guy, Dontavian Wicks. Yes, that's what I was wondering. Okay, dog. I do have. Sorry, he's I, a I, dog. Yes, yes. I I love him too. Like I said earlier this year, he's like a hockey player playing football. And he said last week too how he wants to put feet like he knows DBs talk shit and he just wants to run into them and that's what he said after the game too where the team when the team needs me I'm gonna do whatever it takes for the team because he's played through so many injuries too dog he when he gets the ball and it's like I, I'm trying to remember it was like probably the first decent catch he had in the middle of the field he like caught the ball it was like a deep in he catches the ball. He gets hit by, like, one guy, two guys. Oh, he's still up. Oh, he's moving forward. Oh, he's dragging guys. Safety comes in, hits him, stands him up. Then he starts moving the pile again, and then uh, whoever, maybe Tucker Craft or somebody comes in and knocks the whole pile over. But it's like, holy crap. A wide... And he's not, like, that big of a dude either, right? It's not like you got DK Metcalf out there pushing the pile, right? Like, he's just a dog, right? Like, he goes out there, breaks tackles. He's got that same mentality as Tucker Craft. I think of him... Malik Keith, you know, and Tucker Craft all together in like improving that toughness on the offense of like, we're not going to get bullied. We're going to bring the hit to you type of thing. And like, I don't know, that's really exciting to me. He's also open all the time. Like mm -hmm. Dontavian Wicks is a stud. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other guys too, I just want to touch on before we talk about the rest of them too, Billy. Uh, Jaden Reed, he had the touchdown. Also, no rushing attempts in this game. I know the Jets sweep shit with him the previous week we got pissed off about, but it's like, I would like some of it. Like, it still was productive at the beginning of the game. Maybe you could have snuck it in sometime. And then, obviously, the way he slowed down in the end zone to touch to get that touchdown, that was fucking awesome. Bo Melton had his first career reception, and it was immediately taken back because Josh Myers had the holding. But then a play or two later, he did once again get his first career reception. So that was nice. And then Romeo Dubs, I mean, another solid game. He had that one crosser when we were going from left to right, 
and he came from the far end of the field towards the camera. I don't know what it was, but he's never looked faster in my eyes than on that throw and catch, which was a nice first down pickup too. But yeah, solid game for the pass catchers. Billy? I want to shout out Bo Melton for sure. You talked about his his first actual catch that counted coming a couple of plays after the one got taken away because of penalty. If you remember, I don't remember who had the catch. I think it was either Heath or Wicks had a catch that was may or may not have been a catch. And we hustled up to the line and then it was almost like just a fire drill. Like let's just run a play, any play. And I mean, Bo Melton, his first game active off of the practice squad, you know, on the same page mm-hmm. as love makes the play. I mean, it only goes as a seven yard completion, but it shows that the moment wasn't too big for him. Um, I'm excited too, for when Luke Musgrave comes back, the way that he was playing before he got hurt. And now the way that Tucker craft has taken over in his absence. I mean, what could this two headed monster at tight end look like in years to come? I'm not going to say it's Aaron Hernandez, Ooh. Rob Gronkowski in in new England yet, but I mean, soon, they're they're young and, and they're exciting. Tucker. Well, God, that's tough. Because Luke no. Musgrave is a very mild mannered dude. Tucker Tucker is Gronk. Well, yeah, he has to yeah, be. Tucker but Tucker is Gronk. But I'm thinking personality wise, like who's more likely to kill someone? Well, and that's definitely Tucker Kraft. That that okay. is not what I'm going for. I I'm don't talking think... on field performance <laughs> only, folks. Uh, uh, he yeah. was never convicted. So, huh? Hernandez. He was never convicted because he died. So the the case doesn't there's in no prison. Conviction. He was he was in prison and killed himself. I thought he was, he was still he no. had appealed. You've, you've never he, been more wrong about something. No, he didn't. You watch the documentary? Didn't he no. appealed? Because then hmm, I don't know. There's he, something in there. He, he definitely killed a Where's guy. A fact checker when and, we need it. And they yeah, think we he need killed, a fact checker here. Hernandez probably killed multiple people, but they only really caught him. For Maybe one. it was, like, was before psychopath. the civil case started, so they couldn't take any of his money. That's why he killed himself. Is that Maybe. what it was? I don't know. I don't know. We don't need to keep talking about Aaron Hernandez unaliving himself. Um, and the other thing I just want to add on to, you know, we we always hype guys up, and especially in training camp, I think every team hypes certain groups up, certain players up. But this is one of those times where it's like, we were actually right or maybe even undersold it because I, and maybe this will age poorly, but like you're saying, we have such great problems at the skill position group, which a year ago was the complete opposite. Like it's going to be tough. It's almost like when Luke Musgrave comes back, it's like, well, is Tucker going to have to take a back seat? But all these young guys couldn't really look much better than they are. It's looking like it's going to be one of the better draft classes that the Packers have ever had. I don't think Tucker takes a back seat when he comes back. Just the way that he's playing, it's like when when the backup QB is – it's like when Tom Brady takes over for uh, – was it Drew Bledsoe? It's yep. like you just don't – you don't turn – like this is a great situation because they can both get reps. But like I don't think you just – I don't think he takes a back seat. I guess, but it's just there's – back to like a basketball analogy, there's only one ball. You know, I mean, and Christian Watson still isn't playing right now. So we're having Christian Watson and Luke Musgrave coming back, who are the biggest field stretchers that we have at both of those positions. Like, it's it's going to be crazy next year, the second year with all these guys and seeing what we're going to come up with. I mean, in Romeo Dobbs, who was, I right. mean, who we felt perhaps the best about anybody in that receiving room coming into the year, he had three targets on Sunday. He caught all three, but, I mean, Kraft had six, Reed yeah. had eight, Wicks had seven. I mean, Jordan Love, we've talked about it all year, is spreading the ball around, but he's not 
He's not yes. targeting who you would expect coming into the year as frequently as you know he is these rookies. True. Uh, moving on to the running game, Aaron Jones, Patrick Taylor, and Kenyon Drake. Aaron Jones started the game pregame. Aaron jo- or Matt Lafleur said, uh, "Quote: If he could give us fifteen to twenty plays, that would be great." Uh, he ended up playing twenty nine. So once again, just shows you how. Well, not like that's a huge difference, but I mean, he was seeing 15 and obviously he went over that, but it's like Matt just tries to play with the media a little bit with the injuries. He did finish uh, 13 for 53 with a 4.1 average, four receptions for 16 yards. Overall, saw I wish he would have got the ball a little bit more later. Um, Patrick Taylor. So guess always, this is like a mind fuck every week. Guess how many, so Aaron Jones had 29 snaps. Guess how many Patrick Taylor had? Eight. 15. 26 you know he had the one carry for six yards he had (laughs) he had two receptions for negative four with a long of minus one which i thought was funny but i like i still want to see patrick taylor we're gonna go through patrick taylor's career and never know if he was any good i just want one game where he gets 10 carries that actually matter but i don't think that's ever gonna happen Kenyon drake had one carry where he nearly fumbled it during the exchange which was pretty funny it's like god it shouldn't be this hard to find a you know third running back but i i'm sure he'll we'll see if he gets any snaps or whatever uh emmanuel wilson actually practiced today too which i had kind of forgotten about him the rookie so i wonder if we'll see something happen there with uh snaps and him getting called up or kenny drake getting cut here i think what's worse for drake than the near force fumble was a couple plays before that he got absolutely blown up in blitz pickup like he he had perhaps the worst effort i've ever seen in blitz pickup and resulted in jordan love taking a hit so not surprising after he nearly fumbled that ball that uh, LaFleur probably said, yeah, I think that's enough Kenyon Drake for today. Um, but I'm with you, Spencer. I'm frustrated that, I mean, Aaron Jones on that first drive had eight carries and then he had five the rest of the game. And for a game that Jordan Love ended up throwing 39 times and a game that, you know, we were in for the better part of two and a half to three quarters it's kind of frustrating that we didn't try to establish the run more. I still don't understand. And we've talked about it all year. I don't understand why we don't give Patrick Taylor more of a shot, especially when Aaron Jones is working his way back and AJ Dillon is hurt. Like we don't have anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't get it either. Um, God, what else was I? Oh, I was just going to make the joke. Yeah. I remember last year, once again, when everyone thought it was, uh, Aaron Rodgers was the reason why we weren't running the ball that much. It does That doesn't seem to exactly be the case. Uh, offensive line, Rasheed Walker, Yash, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, Runyon. I always want, every time I write down Runyon, I want to say Todd Runyon. Um, Sean Ryan, and then why? Zach Tom. Because I, I just see Runyon. How many Runyons do you know? How many Todds do you know? Well, I guess two. You're, what you're, about Todd Rundgren and bang on the drum all day? Yeah, see, that's what I'm referencing there, Todd. Come on. I don't, um, that didn't get that reference. Sorry. Oh, oh man, that's you're gonna you're gonna get hate mail for that. Uh, just two sacks allowed, which wasn't too bad. Obviously, you know, it didn't feel like he was getting pressured too much, so I can't complain. And the run game was fair enough. Josh Myers, something we haven't talked about too much with him this year. You know, he's been okay the last couple weeks. Um, but God, it has popped up a couple times, and especially this week. He didn't snap the ball to love. We got that delay, which was kind of funny to see. Like, 
how that's usually called because Aaron Rodgers was always given the benefit of the doubt. And that one where we got the delay was pretty quick after the play clock went to zero. Um, he also didn't snap the ball on that free play, which is a little frustrating. And we obviously know Aaron Rodgers got pissed at him for um, Sean Ryan and John Runyon, you know, didn't really notice, but this was a <laughs> pretty close to a 50, 50 split 31 to 29 snaps. So, Sean's finally nipping at the heels. I wonder if that's only going to go up with the season getting closer to getting over and um, with Runyon not being under contract next year. And then also Rashid Walker was the highest graded player, according to Pro Football Focus, for tackles this week, which is pretty cool. So, I don't know, overall pretty good offensive line. Huh? What did you guys think? I thought it was fine. Less noticing them is always better, you know, unless you're running the ball, but true, we didn't really run true. the ball at all. So, uh, no, I thought it was good. Nothing nothing crazy. Cool. Yeah. Billy? I don't have anything to add. I, I thought they were fine. Didn't, nothing glaring, I guess. Perfect. It, which, when it comes to offensive line, is sometimes the best yeah, thing. Yeah, it's like being say. a goalie, right? Like, mm-hmm. no news is good news. If you don't hear about the goalie in hockey, that's great. Something else to throw into uh, Luke Tenuta practice this week to the another one of those monsters. You know we have on the offensive line the tackles. He's another six eight guy. I think Caleb Jones is six nine. So he practiced after getting. I think he fucked his knee up in during the preseason. He's been on the pup or ir since then. So I wonder. I don't think we'll see him this year. But interest. I total. I thought he was going to have to come back earlier this year if he was ever going to play. So it was nice to see him you know another project that i'm sure we'll hear more of next off season but uh with that we will have a quick commercial break what's so special about hero bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas these ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health shop now at hero.co And we are back with the defense. Uh, the defense, if you forgot, was really bad. Uh, it felt like the longer the game went on, the worse they got. And I don't, I don't want to say the team quit uh, at the very end, but it wasn't uh, very good. A lot of really bad stats this week. Baker Mayfield, the first opposing quarterback to have a perfect pass rating at Lambeau. That one, it's one of those things I wasn't aware of, but hearing that, it's like, fuck, we can never have that back. You know, um, Packers allowed 190 yards when given when giving five or more yards of cushion most on the season for them. Chris Godwin had eight for 123 when given a cushion of five or more yards. That's pretty bad. Uh, Baker Mayfield completed 20 out of 24 passes against zone coverage for 361 yards and three touchdowns. Pretty bad. Um, Joe Barry, very bad still. Over the last three seasons, the Packers are ranked 25th on third down. On those plays while playing zone coverage, the Packers are ranked 30th. So these are all just fucking terrible stats. And even just before halftime, that was so damn embarrassing having like a second and 29 and for them to eventually get points off of that. Just fucking bad. And uh, I don't know. The other thing I want to talk about, a fun thing here, point it out during the game. I want to know what happened with that touchdown ball that Mike Evans scored because he scored. He ran up, and you could see the fan push on that gate, and they fell through, and, yeah. then, and then they got the ball. But you could see, even during the touchdown celebration, security like got the ball back, and they were talking to the fan. I was trying to do as much digging as I could. I rewound it. 
it looked like the fans might have unlatched the gate when he scored and then went through but the, to get but, closer but the guy did fall you know it's like i think the fans should get the ball either way i think they that guy probably would have got it but i didn't like seeing the security you know obviously we didn't want them to score but i hope that fan didn't get i hope they got the ball and two i hope they didn't get kicked out without the ball because that would be pretty bad i think the invert i think you should throw him in jail i think he broke the rules at lambo hollow ground Hollowed, hollow, hollowed, hollowed, hallowed, probably, probably not hollow. Yeah, not hollow. Hallowed ground. We'll cut that part. Nope. And <laughs> we should throw him in jail. Rules okay. are rules. <laughs> I didn't know I that. Think, rule. I think most likely it's because he went through the gate. If he's standing well, yeah. at the gate and gets the ball, perfectly fine. I mean, to the letter of the law, like if you're not supposed to pass through that gate, like the yeah, security like needs to do something about it because he's he's not. You know, he doesn't know what the fan's intention is. But that yes. guard but that guard right there, if if the guard didn't lock the latch, it's his fault. You know? So that's that's where I, I don't am. think there's a lock on that latch though. But if, th- but if the I bet there's no way you're you can't you're at Lambeau and you can't lean on the rail when everyone else can. It has to open the op it, you know, I would have thought it opens the opposite way if there isn't a lock or latch on it. I think it's like TSA. If you break the rules you don't get on your flight, you go to jail, ah. or you get shot. So Pick you're, one. you're a Sean McDermott fan too then with his, the way he uh, gets gets his players motivated. I uh, We won't get into 9-11. Aaron Hernandez, oh, 9-11, a lot of fun things this week. The defense... What's kind of a weird group for or a weird game for the front seven? You know, they ended up with five sacks. JJ, you know, we talked about how he's been pretty quiet this season. What a fun play! It, the the best sacks and strip sacks are the ones you see coming. You just see him just reaching out to get the ball. That was awesome. I wonder what the ruling is on shit like that because he forced the fumble, but it didn't hit the ground. But he caught it. Yeah. So I'm like, it, it, it's funny because we talked about the Dean Lowry touchdown. Give him last a pick. Week. It should it should almost be an interception. I Give think. him a sack. But, but if the ball isn't going forward, it's not a throw. I think it was going forward though. So it's a pick then. It, it, his arm wasn't going forward though. Yeah, I yeah I. I think a sack it. pick would be a really fun stat. Yes, it, it's just if the, if the turnover happens in the air, it's a pick. If it, it should always down, be a pick, a even if it's a for sure a fumble. <laughs> it's just that's just an interception. How about a strip pick six? That would be fun. Oh, I, well, that's what the. But it wouldn't be a strip then, though. But that's what the Dean Lowry one was because it just stayed in the air and he ran all the way back for a touchdown. Anyways, uh, Quay Walker, I I don't know the inside linebacker is not a great game. We'll obviously talk about Devondre Campbell a little bit too, but he had the tackle for loss early and we saw his G his G tattoo on his shoulder, which I hadn't seen before. I I assume he got it at Georgia, maybe for no 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 booster, but um, I thought that was interesting. Devondre Campbell obviously a bad game and. Uh, it sucks. It's you know, it's what we talked about last week too with the whole Jair and playing through injuries and Kevin King finally playing through an injury and playing bad. Devonta Campbell obviously had a terrible game, um, partly because he was matched up in zone against Chris Godwin so many right. fucking times, which was unbelievable. Um, he did put the tweet out, which we'll talk about briefly here. Tweeted this out Monday morning, Tuesday, Tuesday morning, I think. 
quote, not going out of my way anymore, and I'm not playing through injuries anymore because when shit goes wrong, they always use it against you. I'm treating everyone accordingly and giving them the same energy they're giving me. Focus on yourself and your mental, 59, referring, you know, in the third person. You owe it to yourself. So at first when I read that, I was like, oh, it's about the fans. And then I read it again, and I'm like, oh, shit. I think he's talking about, like, you know, the coaches not believing really? in him, extra stuff. That's I thought what, it was about the fans. Well, the extra stuff, because the other thing that I thought Matt fucked up this week is Monday he put the blame on communication, which was just bullshit because that's another excuse to blame everyone, not a certain person. You know, it's obviously the same fucking excuse Mark Murphy used to give himself more power. So for Matt to just say his communication is like, we're not going to blame anyone specifically. Um, he was also talking about in that Monday presser how they weren't lined up correctly. That would be kind of an inside linebacker's job, the green helmet guy. So it would be Quay and Devondre when he's out there. So when he's talking about extra, at first I was, well, secondly, I was like, shit, maybe he's talking about getting plays in, you know, getting guys lined up correctly and helping Quay out with that. But in today's presser, Matt talked a little bit about uh, him and Devondre, and Matt killed it today. If Matt talked about injuries, and I don't know if anyone's going to go back and listen, his presser today, he handled the injury questions great, especially when a lot of pressure was on him after Campbell tweeting this shit out. But he said he talked to Campbell, they had a great conversation, and he what he and they didn't even ask about the extra stuff thing. He said Devondre does a lot of extra stuff to get his body ready. You know, and we've heard Christian Watson talk about how he's spent tens of thousands of dollars to be healthy. and It's not working. It seems like that's what Devondre was talking about. The extra stuff is to get healthy. So I do think he was pissed at the fans for dragging him, which I don't blame him. But also he did play like shit, unfortunately. I think the proof is in the pudding. I think it's just unfortunate. I, I like the guy, right? He's the mm-hmm. Packers man of the year. He was great for us when he showed up, and last year he was still pretty good. It's just, I think, you, and you see it in the the plays where it's it's inches, right? It's like he's just losing that step, and maybe it's because of injury. But the fact of the matter is, you're a linebacker. You start to rack up these injuries. It's not going very rarely. Are you ever going to turn that around? You start getting those injuries. They don't go away, right? Like, And I think the clock, I mean... Too many birthdays, right? It gets all of us. I mean, it's just probably time. Here's here's where I struggle with this, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend that Devondre Campbell has been having a great year and that he's 100% healthy and whatever. First, for allegedly how poorly he played, Isaiah McDuffie didn't record a tackle. Spencer, did he take any snaps on defense? I, I didn't look at his snaps on defense. He wasn't on the field very much from what right. I could tell. He so, should have been. So if Campbell played that poorly, why did the coaching staff not take him out? Second, Ugh. and I, I already said... They're, they're nice. They're nice guys. You know that. Not, not a single snap for, for Isaiah McDuffie on defense. Okay. Thank you. The other thing is, and I already said that I talked too much about Joe Barry, that one sentence that I had earlier in the podcast. Joe Barry did not do the man any favors whatsoever. Like, what? number one, why are you asking any middle linebacker, let alone Devondre Campbell, who we all know is not healthy and is also on the wrong side of 30, to try and cover Chris Godwin in zone coverage? Like, it's just idiotic. And put not adjust. Play, put your players in position to succeed, and Joe Barry did not do that. We, yeah, I agree. That a 1,000% is not – there's no linebacker in that position that's going to have a successful night against Godwin. We need to get – 
Devondre's cement shoes and give them to Jordan Love to wear, and then I think we'll be a little bit better off. Oh. Um, Kenny Clark, the return of the December, uh, two sacks, two tackles for loss, and pass defended. Awesome game from him. Um, Slayton, he seems solid in the Rodden game. He's been sneaky, very, very solid this year, it seems like. And LVN also had a decent game with a uh, big sack to force the field goal at uh, the end of halftime there, I believe. Um, so I don't know, some good things. It's weird because it was a terrible defensive performance overall, but I don't think the front seven was all that terrible. You know, the the run game, they held up fine. Minus Devondre, the front seven was actually pretty good. The back yeah. end just struggled. Yes. It was weird to me that, you know, like you said, Spencer, we had five sacks in that game, but it didn't seem like we had consistent pressure on Baker. It yeah. seemed like when we got pressure, we got him. But when we didn't, he had all day to throw. True, true. Uh, moving on to the secondary. Eric Stokes started, and I don't know how he graded out or anything, but it was nice to see him horrible. out there. Yeah, did, did he? It was horrible. I saw a tweet, and it was like... It was bad. I guess I'll just say that. I don't remember. Well, I mean, the defense as a whole, according to PFF, the worst pass coverage grade in their last five years of keeping records. Yeah, of all teams. Yes. (laughs) But this was my note. That first uh, series, him and Quay, they were active in the run game. He did have that. He was in on that tackle for the loss. I was excited at that point. Yes. I know. I think he had his snaps taken uh, quite a bit in the second half as well. Uh, Corey... Uh, Carrington Valentine, who I really like him, but the thing that keeps popping up is him in the run game. If anyone gets a hand on Carrington Valentine, Valentine on a run, he is out of the play. That's just the way it seems like it's going to be for, you know, I think he'll improve hopefully, but that's what it's been just about all year. He did have a nice pass breakup on Mike Evans too. Todd, I think if you're going to be, yeah, I think if you're going to be the cornerback that doesn't play in the run game, you better be sticky as hell on the back end. Like, that's really the only way it's acceptable. If you're a guy who's a... F- I mean, if this team had Razul and Jair, I mean, he's basically a fringe player. It seems like Ballantyne is outperforming him week in and week out. Not by a lot, because it's obviously everyone's horrible on the back end. But I don't know. It just seems like you got to stick your nose in there and make a play, especially when you're young. I mean, we watched Jair do it his rookie season, looking like a stud coming up and, you know, putting An- or Adam Thielen on skis or whoever it was. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, so. you, when you're a young player, you got to get in there and get your nose in the run game. And then, like, granted, if you're an amazing, you know, if you're Asante Samuel, yeah, fine. Sit back there. That's fine, right? Like, we can have somebody else come up and play the run. But, like, you got to get in there. It, it was funny, too, because last week when Jair talked to the media, one of the other things he said, among the other great things, was um, he lives vicariously through Valentine on the field. And it's funny because he kind of has played the run the way Jair has since the shoulder injury, you know, while he's been playing. The other frustrating thing for me is we're a defense that doesn't stop the run very well either. So why not? I mean, just just give us better effort in the run game. And I get that. Maybe because they show such shitty effort, that's why we're bad against the run. It's kind of a chicken and the egg kind of thing. But, I mean, like you said, as a young player, like if you want to stick and and earn a role, I mean, you got to do all the little things, whether it's special teams, whether it's playing the run. You know, you got to do those things. And just because you're a cover corner doesn't mean you can't play the run. I mean, Charles Woodson played the run better than perhaps any corner I've ever seen. Yeah. 
that I, I, I forgot. I was going to have that as a trivia question. I did a little Sporkle Packer thing the other day. The 20, 2000, 2008 or 2009 or 2010 or 2011, one of those years. Oh. Charles Woodson led the Packers in, the past. in tackles playing corner, which wow. is fucking nuts. But every other year, it's either inside linebacker or Morgan Was that that year? Morgan did Burnett he win defensive that was player like, of the year? It could have been year? that year. I didn't think it was. Yeah. That I, I very well could be wrong. But yeah, either way, we haven't seen that from the secondary in quite some time. Uh, Ballantyne had the DPI, which was great. And Rudy Ford was just, I mean, so sad to see the one play where he had two guys running free and he had to pick who he had to cover. Not very good. Special teams, really nothing to talk about because the Bucks were fair catching. Um, yeah. Nixon wasn't able to run anything out, which I thought in December at Lambeau, he would have been more of a factor this year. But so far, I mean, he's still the you know the leading vote getter for the Pro Bowl for a kick return. He has the most kick return yards and all that shit too. Um, thought we would have seen more out of him. And then the Bucks had that perfect fucking 60-some yard punt where – Jaden Reed was in the worst spot where it's like you need to let it go. You try to catch it, and I guess he probably should have caught it. it go, but you can't yeah. really, can't really blame him. But uh, with that, fuck that game. Take news. Football time. Take news. All right, take news for the week, and we got to talk about Mister Joe Barry. His Seat is on fire. You know, I think... Did you guys think he was going to get fired this week after the game? I Zero did chance. not think he was going to get fired. But I didn't think so. I would have enjoyed it. Yeah, well, I kind of go back and forth on it. One, it was weird because after the game, it was the most critical Matt had ever been, and he never really said that Joe was going to be back with the team and all that stuff. So that, you know, a lot of beat reporters were, you know, their ear poked up because of that but obviously nothing really happened a little demoralizing to hear him in the next you know the next day Quay saying that uh you know they talked to Joe Barry and all of that but I don't know I well I don't know we'll, we'll get into that but I just want to look at the defense in general because it's kind of fucked <laughs> top to bottom it's a systematic problem for the Green Bay Packers so one thing we always hear about this defense you know we got all these first-round picks, so many first-round picks on this defense. Well, when you actually look at them, Darnell Savage, Eric Stokes, you know, Quay Walker's been up and down. Devonta White's been up and down. Lucas Van Ness has been whatever. Jair Alexander isn't playing. And then we, you know, it's not a first-round pick, but we also traded away J- um, Rezul Douglas. So it's not like Joe Barry has had the cream of the crop to work with, especially making adjustments with the roster the back end of the season, especially the safeties that we have. But then we get the performance like we get on Sunday where we play zone coverage like 80% of the time or more than that. And it's like, you got to give so much blame to the position coaches too. Cause whatever Joe Barry is trying to run, there is a disconnect between <laughs> what's actually happening on the field. Cause no one should be running as open as these guys that we saw on Sunday and it's another bummer because Rezul Douglas was such a great zone corner. And that's obviously what we played the majority of the time on Sunday. So, and then it turns into, well, are these players even a fit? How much of this is Goody's fault? Because a lot of these first round picks haven't exactly hit. And then you guys, you have guys like Gary, who's good. You know, we know he's a great player. And Lucas Van Ness and, you know, these inside linebackers and shit like that. And not a ton of big bodies, you know, with the defensive line there. It's like, 
this could almost be a 4-3 defense, you know, just for the type of yeah. bodies that we have. So it's that disconnect there, too, where Goody's not exactly getting the right fit for the defense that we're trying to run. You know, I don't know. You know, you want to get those big athletes, too. But then, you know, like I said, the position group and something I looked at this week, the most – so this coaching staff, everyone, including the coordinators and position coaches, no, Tom Clemens spent one year as a quarterback for, I think, the San Francisco 49ers. And that's the only experience that anyone on the coaching staff had in the NFL where they were actually on an NFL roster. Adam Stenovich was a practice squad player. A couple guys were in training camp. But we don't have anyone who is actually like a long-tenured, successful player in the league. I don't know how much, you know, that's not a huge thing, but it's just something like it's still this disconnect from the coaching staff to the players at times. And then once again, you know, it's Joe Barry. Nobody would have fucking hired Joe Barry to be their defensive corner besides Matt LaFleur. The fact that he had two stints as a DC before this for two years each time and he was not successful and now he's been given three years with us. It's like, what What are we doing? Clearly this guy, no, no one thinks Joe Barry is a you know, football mind that should be a defensive coordinator. Any, anytime you hire a coordinator, it's usually an exciting thing when it's someone out of the building because it's some young guy who's rising up in the ranks or it's some older guy like Mike Pettin or Dom Capers who have their kind of style of defense that they're known for. And Joe Barry is none of those things. So the end of the day for me, because I, I do hate Joe Barry, but it, you know, it kind of reminds me of my dog or, you know, dogs in general you know bad dogs like yesterday you know my my dog was on the leash and she is really bad on a leash terrible everything else she's great she's a fantastic dog but she's terrible on a leash she's 33 percent husky and it's probably it's my fault that she's bad on the leash i gotta figure out a way to fucking train this dog and you know it's back to you know you hear this saying too there aren't bad dogs there are bad dog owners Matt LaFleur is a bad dog owner. You know, Joe Barry has no fucking business still being a defensive coordinator in this league, let alone the Green Bay Packers. You know, obviously we had the hot streak to finish the year last year, that four-game win streak, you know, to finish it off. But it's just, I can't be mad at Joe Barry because he shouldn't be here. And it's kind of the thing, too, where I, you know, I I obviously, it would have been nice to fire him. But at the same time, I didn't really want him to get fired because that's putting the blame on Joe Barry just to appease the masses when it's Matt LaFleur's fucking fault. You know, it's 99% Matt's fault. Joe Barry shouldn't be the guy. And that's what really pisses me off. Cause it's just, it's once again, back to Matt being too nice of a guy. He doesn't want to move on from guys. So, I mean, you're right. Like it's not Joe Barry's fault that he's still the defensive coordinator of the green Bay Packers, but Matt LaFleur is also the only one who can make this right. So Matt LaFleur I mean, he's got to put his big boy pants on or something. And I mean, pull the plug. I'm sure that Joe Barry's a nice guy, but it's not working for whatever reason. I mean, I get that Joe Barry is playing with, you know, one and a half hands tied behind his back in the secondary came in with, I mean, literally we talked about it in the the very first episode of the year. We were concerned about the safety room. Nothing we've seen out of the safeties this year has made us feel any better about the safety room. And then Jair has missed most of the year, half the year, I'd say. 
Uh, Eric Stokes has missed the majority of the year. We traded away Rasul Douglas, and all of a sudden we've got a seventh-round pick and an undrafted free agent starting on the outside at corner. So I get that's tough. It sucks. But anytime that you allow a quarterback to have the worst passer rating or the best passer rating, the only perfect passer rating an opponent has had at Lambeau Field, and that building has been open since 1958 or whatever it is, that's not very good. And the Packers have had much, much worse defenses than this one, you know, back in the 70s and 80s when we were a dog shit franchise. Second, the number of players that we have, I mean, again, not all of these players can be misses. I just refuse to accept that Brian Gutekunst is that bad at drafting first round picks. We saw his first three drafts, but yeah. That's that's fair. <laughs> but, I mean, Kenny Clark, very good player. Devondre Campbell wasn't a first round pick for us, but, you know, kind of found him on the scrap heap. Been a nice player for us. Quay Walker, Quay's been, good. A nice, been a nice player for us. Kenny Rashawn Pen- Gary. Rashawn Gary, up and coming, just signed him to a huge extension. Jair Alexander, you know, huge extension, highest paid corner in the league. Like, there are pieces on each level of this defense. So why can't we make it work? And it's been an issue each of the last three years. I think it's been it's been long enough. We got to pull the plug. And the other thing I want to point out about Joe Barry real quick, and then I'll let Todd speak. Um, Spencer, you brought up that Joe Barry shouldn't be a defensive coordinator after his stints in Detroit, including the 0-16 team, and then Washington. If you remember, he was the secondary coach in L.A. before we signed him, and he was passed over twice to be defensive coordinator in L.A. So they didn't want him to be defensive coordinator, but we looked at him and said, yep, that's good enough. I, I will correct you on one thing. He was the inside linebacker coach. I think one thing, the one gold star I gave Joe Barry was his first year. I was like, oh. Joel Berry knows inside linebackers because of how well Devondre Campbell played. But yes, that was a huge red flag. The f- fact that Sean McVay passed on him was, what, what What? are you doing, Matt? What are you doing? Todd, you got some? Maybe he thinks that he stole him. Maybe at the time he was like, ah, I, st- I stole him from my buddy Sean. Sh- Sh- Sean's texting him like, oh, please. Oh, God, please. please. Don't oh, take no. Him. Not Joe. L- last were... offseason, too. It's like, no, can you please fire him? We want him back. And Matt's like, well, I guess I shouldn't. Sean's. <laughs> um, I have a little bit. We talked a little bit about, or you guys touched on a little bit about, like, where this roster is at and, like, how the pieces don't necessarily seem to fit. I think this is that we're kind of set up, you know, for the next guy to be a 4-3 guy. And I think that there is some interesting, you know, I don't know who's available coming up, but I think that, like, with that roster and you look at it, like, and maybe we're going to talk about this a little bit too of like maybe who you would kind of pick, but like the wide nine defense, which I believe is a four three, where you put those edge, it's a San Fran runs a wide nine, right? Where you put those rushers way outside. I think we're kind of fit to run something like that, which would be like if you put Gary out wide and then you put, you're just saying for the future, right? You're looking at Lucas Van Ness out wide and have him put his hand in the dirt and run, like you get that, like. What do you end up having like an extra two yards of running room? Like both of those guys are power rushers. Like that could be kind of mean. So I don't know. Like obviously, yes, I agree with everything you guys said. Joe Barry is a problem. Like Matt LaFleur, 
you know, it it starts there with picking your guy, whatever. Could there be a little interference on who's getting picked by Mark Murphy? Yes, of course. We don't know exactly what's happening in those conversations, but I guess looking forward, I'm excited. I kind of like I've always loved the three four, but I'm kind of excited. Like looking at this roster, like the four three would be. It looks like a fun defense to run with the wide nine being a variation of it. I mean, I, I think the other. Th- yeah. Go ahead, Spencer. Okay, okay. Well, I, w- I was going to say so. One, I remember Dom Capers coming to town, and we were running a three four. I was like, "Oh shit, this is cool. We've never done yeah. this before." Because very I think, true. I don't think we ever had at that point. But something I wanted to touch on too is you know you mentioned the Mark Murphy thing, and again, and I tweeted this out, and I still think about it how. Mark Murphy, one, pushing Mike Pettin onto Matt when he first got hired, and two, telling him he could not hire Darren Rizzi, the special teams coordinator. I think that has – there's no way that hasn't affected Matt in some way for not wanting to move on from these guys a little sooner and how it's a systematic thing. So I want to play this clip here, which I have, which I thought was interesting, was Rob Domofsky talking about Matt and the way he's handled this situation and how, you know, you know, some things we've also hinted on in the past. Does anybody feel a shift here where we have gone from this is Joe Barry, Joe Barry to this is LaFleur now letting it happen? I think there's some of that for sure. Um, there definitely is. And I had, I had a couple people tell me over the course of not this week after this happened, but, you know, I think it was after Pittsburgh when it was the third uh, 200 yard rushing game of the season. Or maybe it was the fourth. Mm-hmm. I've lost count at this point. There's so many. Of them. I, I had a person in the organization tell me, you know what? If Matt doesn't realize this, that this is a problem, it's going to cost him his job. So, like, yeah. that's, very, that's a very real thing, John. And, and I, I think that, you know, no, like, if, if he doesn't fire him in three weeks or whenever the season ends, um, you know, then, then I think that's a serious issue. But, uh, and to me, I got to be honest with you, I think this is a product of the structure as well. If Brian Gutekunst had, had authority, or whoever the GM was had authority mm-hmm. over the head coach. I think there was a decent chance that that person would have said, you've got to make this move, but because they're on equal levels and Mark Murphy, isn't going to do it. Apparently um, it's, it's not going to happen. At least not going to happen right now. So one, it was funny to hear that. Cause it's something we talk about a lot of. So to hear Rob Domofsky say a similar thing, it's like, ah, good. I feel good about that. Um, but two, it's funny. Cause now we're in a spot where I hate Mark Murphy and I don't want him to make decisions ever. But it's like, if we go into next offseason, say we went out here and Matt's like, I want to bring Joe Barry back. I'm like, I want Mark Murphy to tell him no. But then I feel like a hypocrite because I don't want Mark Murphy to do that. But it's like, or do to have that think, power. Do you think he would, like, if he won out, do you think actually think LaFleur would do that? Because then it's more of an issue of, like, with LaFleur because, yes. okay, fine, we get out of Barry, but do we get out of the next guy? How long do we keep the next guy around if he's not willing to make a change? Like, then it's really a LaFleur problem. Well, and then it sucks, too, because as this is going on, too, this job isn't as, you know, attractive as it was in the past because it's kind of like, you know, the offensive staff that McCarthy put put around his last year where it was like Joe Philbin who was kind of on the outs, that Frank Cognetti guy who doesn't have any real he's not he's not yeah. a dude. So that's what makes it tough too. And something else to talk about, but a different poll after the game, obviously fans are a little pissed when that when you know, after what happened happened. But it was if Matt LaFleur brings Joe Barry back next year, do you want Matt LaFleur to be the head coach of the Green Bay Packers? Eighty four percent said no, which I think is pretty telling and I don't blame them either because it's just it's the number one thing that's negative about Matt LaFleur is he's too nice of a guy when it comes to firing and hiring guys the best hire he had I think was you know he's not the best coach but the right guy at the right time was Nathaniel Hackett and Luke Getze but since then he's hiring more and more buddies and not great coaches Billy 
that's what I was going to say, Spencer, was Matt LaFleur has not given us a lot of confidence with the guys that he has hired. He hired Joe Barry. We saw how that went. I get that he wasn't able to hire Rizzi for, you know, reasons beyond his control. I get that. But Bisaccia hasn't, you know, set the world on fire and certainly hasn't really turned the special teams around in two years now. Um, You know, after Nathaniel Hackett left and, you know, we promote Stenovich and, you know, whoever else we have, there were, there have been a lot of questions on the offense. The offense has improved, but, and it's difficult from the outside looking in. Is that because of the position coaches, the assistant coaches, or is it LaFleur? Is it the players? It's probably, you know, a little bit of columns A, B, and C there. So he has not inspired a lot of confidence uh, in making these hires. So it is a little concerning if he holds on to Joe Barry again. I mean, there's going to be even less confidence that he's going to make the right decision this time. And even if he fires him, you know, after this week's game, if we give up 60, God forbid, I mean, who the hell are we going to hire that is going to make me say, yeah, that that's the guy. Because the front office has also shown that they – don't necessarily want to pay top dollar for assistant coaches, even though there is no salary cap. Yes. And that's so briefly here, because you've gone a little long in this and you touched on it. Who would you guys want as our next defensive coordinator? Because something else that Rob Domofsky said that I found very interesting that I was surprised that he said it was, he, he said there's a very slim chance in his mind that we would hire Staley as our next defensive coordinator, which is kind of the number one name that's thrown out there. He said that him and Matt do not have, or infer that they don't, they're not as close as people think. And he would be pretty shocked if that was the move. And again, people are talking about like scooping up other guys. I still think Leonard and maybe Evero are the leading guys, but do you guys have any preferences? But is Evero but is Evero available? He so right now he's the DC at Carolina. Right. But there's but a good, he is his first year at Carolina this year. Yes. And he would have to get fired for us to sign him. Yes. And but, they have cleaned house with like everybody else, but they kept him. So I don't think he's going anywhere. But the season isn't over. I it that owner's so odd that it wouldn't be shocking if if he got you know, the ax and they just moved on from that entire coaching staff. But yes, I, I, I understand what you're saying. The The new coach may not want to bring him back. Yes. Anyway. Yes. I think Leonard is an interesting idea. Um, I don't know, like just to be honest, I don't know really who's out there and who's going to be available. If anything, it's, I would some, somebody from either like the Dan Quinn staff Right, because he's not going anywhere. But like somebody from the Dan Quinn staff, I know Al Harris is there. Secondary yeah. coach. I'm not saying him, yep. but like the but like Dan Quinn has good secondaries, right? And he runs the four three, which I just in recent thinking about it, I think is would be kind of fun to run. Um, <clears throat> or I would say, um, who's the who's the guy in Wilkes uh, in San Fran? Oh. Somebody off his staff. I just. One of those, I don't know. They're good defenses. Yeah. They're interesting. They have good coverage grades. Evero also has good coverage grades. I think he's got a good, one of the good feel for the back end too. One of so, the best I mean, third uh, down defenses in the NFL is Evero and the Panthers this year when we're one yeah. of the worst. I mean, Evero would. Be, I mean, there's probably a lot of guys out there would be great. I just don't know enough about who's actually going to be available, yeah. right? So, Billy. 
So, I mean, you you hit the number one name on my list is Jim Leonard. I mean, you talked about having a guy that has experience in the NFL. Jim Leonard played in the NFL for a decade or more. Um, did really exciting things at Wisconsin. And Wisconsin is not some football powerhouse, right? Like, they're a draft and – or not a draft and develop. Oh, God. They're a recruit and develop, you know, player kind of program. And so to see what Jim Leonard was able to do and build up those players, maybe that's what we need with all this first round talent on this defense is get somebody in that can kind of develop them and turn them into professionals and get them comfortable in their role. I also like that he runs an attacking kind of exotic blitz scheme, uh, which is certainly more interesting than what Joe Barry runs, especially what I've seen the last two weeks when it seems like he didn't blitz at all. Um, Todd, you brought up the 4-3. I kind of like the idea of switching back to the 4-3 because we've been just trash at stopping the run for the last decade, it seems. So maybe we need to kind of switch back. Football seems to kind of be swinging back in the opposite direction where it's not as run and shoot as it once was. So if we want to switch to the 4-3, I'm going to stick to the college game. I know this is an insane pipe dream, but... Give me Phil Parker from Iowa. If he can turn a bunch of white farmers from <laughs> Iowa into a top five defense nationally, sign me up. That's that's something, too. I know Justice Mosquitoes talked about it, how a lot of guys in the college ranks are looking to go to the NFL just because pay is so much better, or at least for different, for actual coordinators, too. Um, but I, I just want a younger guy I think that can connect with the players a little bit more and someone who's... The arrow's pointing up, you know, like Staley. A lot of people in your – Billy, you were talking about how offenses are evolving the defenses too. Like, the, the Staley defense was really big, and now, you know, it's uh, – God, who who is it now? Um, well, it, it's uh, – oh, fuck. Well, one, uh, Flores. Flores is one of those blitzing teams too. How it's yep. turned into, instead of the slow them down type, bend, don't break defense, it is that blitzing – that is starting to work more in the NFL. What I would like to see happen, I think Leonard would be good. He is with Illinois now. You know, one thing he wanted to do is stay close to Wisconsin. So it wouldn't shock me if now not getting, you know, he had that shot to be the Badgers head coach and it didn't work out. Yep. I think that's what he was obviously kind of waiting on. So now maybe that's what he'd look for. I'd like someone like him, maybe someone in the college ranks. And I threw this out on Twitter. So I think the big thing that really fucked this franchise up was Mike McCarthy in 2020 because he hired Dan Quinn as his defensive coordinator when yep. the Packers were still alive in the playoffs. So a month later, Matt had to, well, didn't have to, but he hired Joe Barry. Dan Quinn was Matt's head coach when he was the quarterback coach for the Falcons. He probably would have at least interviewed Dan Quinn. That would have been huge. So something I'd like to do, which you touched on Al Harris, apparently he's not really, he's a great coach and that secondary is playing well, but he's not really a scheme guy. You know, I don't know sure. if he could really come and be defensive coordinator, but obviously I would fucking love Al Harris to be our defensive coordinator. I'd like to pull the little switcheroo on Mike and fuck him back, interview Al Harris for the defensive coordinator job. And this won't happen, but it's, I think you would be able to fucking fire uh, Rich Bisaccia. Find a new special teams coordinator. 
have Al Harris come over, be the secondary coach, Jim Leonard be the defensive coordinator, and then make Al Harris associate head coach, which Rich Bisaccia is now, which is technically a promotion from his job with the Cowboys. And that would be a nice, one, good way to get back on Mike McCarthy for stealing Dan Quinn. Two, you got Al Harris on your staff, which obviously everyone's going to love. Um, do you guys have anything else we've talked about the defensive coordinators quite a bit? No, I don't think so. One last thing, and this is this is more just a – interesting little anecdote i think so we've talked about wanting to have a more aggressive defensive coordinator blitz a little bit more instead of waiting for the other team to screw up where do you think the packers rank in the nfl in blitz percentage oh top 10 top 15 top 20 top top 30 we're top 10 i know it's high because we always we usually rush five on a lot of plays i'll say top half we are 11th which yeah, okay close which was surprising to me <laughs> gotcha. especially after watching the last couple of weeks we're 29.3% but number 1 in the league is Brian Flores with the Vikings 47.7% and then I just talked about him last week Wink Martindale in New York the Wink. Giants 41.9% so yeah we're top half but you look at the bottom half some of these defenses blitz less than 20% of the time which is insane to me but it's the 49ers and the Jets down there so yeah, you don't have to blitz when yeah. you have really good players I'll tell you what I want just one last thing I want somebody who's going to be flexible with what? the people that we have and flexible Mm-mm. based on the team we're playing that's all I want that's all I want you don't have to run your exact scheme every week run what's going to work yeah, I mean, just look at LaFleur in the offense. We didn't have any Jaden Reed sweeps this week or any of that gadget shit. So uh, speaking of that, is Kyle an idiot? I'm not an idiot. Okay. You sure? Yes. All right. Is Kyle a idiot for the week? An idiot? All those things. You guys did very well last week. You were 3-0. You've had... You've Legendary had performance. Yep. All your, I, I mean... Think- Todd was a monster last week, really. Ooh, that was my week to shine. I think these questions are a lot easier, so let's rip through them. What Carolina Panthers running back, his knee hit Nick Collins, ending his career? Uh, oh. It's either D'Angelo Williams or Jonathan Stewart. That's why it's a fun one. It's not a fun one, but you, you get it. Gee, fun. Mm, yeah. I agree that it's one of those two, but I, I'm just going to say Jonathan Stewart. He's a bigger, powerful guy. Just throwing that out there. We'll go with Stewart. It was Jonathan Stewart. I went back and YouTubed it and watched the play. Man, it is such a nothing play where Nick just kind of launched at him at a weird angle. And yeah, I know it fucked up his spine or whatever, which really sucked. He was on the trajectory. Oh, Jesus Christ. He was going to be a Hall of Famer if he if he kept playing. <laughs> but uh, yes, very good, Jonathan Stewart. Um Number two, what did Panthers quarterback Cam Newton say to Clay Matthews pre-snap during watch their this. 2017 matchup? It, w- it was something like it's like watching film or watch yeah. this. Yeah. I think the watch this gets it, right? Yeah. A more embarrassing moment. I think it was in that uh, pseudo playoff game for the Packers where, uh, yeah, uh, Clay said, wheel route, wheel route. And Cam said, I study too. You've been watching film, huh? Watch this. And then they threw the touchdown pass to uh, Christian McCaffrey. So, it, which it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot he's had such a great year, you know, the last two years with the Niners. It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. He was a Panthers running back. Not like that was too long ago. But, yeah, fun, fun moment right there. The cap on the uh, – well, no, that was – oh, yeah, that was the last year of Dom Capers. Yeah, that was the last year of Dom Capers. Oh. Um, number three, 
In the same game, I think it was the same game, after the Packers recovered an onside kick, what wide receiver fumbled on the last series, losing the Packers the game? Can you say that again? What, just... what, what player fumbled on the last series of the game when the Packers were attempting to tie the game up in the series in the fourth quarter? Fumble, he fumbled the ball. Packers, you know, Panthers got the ball. Game is over. What year was this? Like yeah, what year? Twenty seventeen. Seventeen. And the question is, who fumbled it? Yeah, he drift dropped it. I don't know. Ooh, you guys don't know, huh? I guess I'm gonna have to guess. say. No, I'm really blanking on this. I, this is. I don't know why. I don't. Twenty seventeen. No, bad radio. You got three seconds. Three. I'm going to say James Jones. It was. I tried to give you a little hint there. I said he dropped it. It was Geronimo Allison who dropped the ball. That was kind of the Mm. last, I think, 20. Well, 2018, he was okay, I think, at the beginning of the year. But, yes, that was Geronimo Allison who, unfortunately, you know. What was the Is drip drop? What is it? Was his like Twitter handle so drip something? He or had what? a couple. He had a couple. Uh, tweets just said he dropped the ball. No, oh, yeah. Monday that's night right. he had like a touchdown or two, and people dug up his old tweets, and he was like, "Hey, do, do <laughs> any right. of these Iowa females got?" Yeah, so he was. He was yep. saying. So okay, no, I remember so, now. Yeah. Okay. My well, apologies to the hoodie for doubting him. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, he James Jones was just bad with drops at the beginning of his year. He didn't fumble too much, but, except for. I don't bet on Packers games ever anymore because in 2011, a Monday night or Sunday night game, James Jones had a really bad game, and I think he fumbled the ball in that game, which went towards us losing. And then I never, I've never bet on the Packers since. But Billy, do you have a stump spending question for me? Uh, yes, sir. Which future Packers backup quarterback was selected by Carolina in the 1995 expansion draft? What Packers backup quarterback? You know, I looked up Mark Future, Burnell. future Packers backup quarterback. So he he was not on the Packers at the time of the expansion draft. Carolina picked him from another team and oh. then eventually came to Green Bay and was a backup. Um, God, I don't. I eventually came to Green Bay because it's not Hasselback. We drafted Hasselback. I don't think it's Aaron Brooks, too. We drafted him. Oh. I'm pretty sure. And I don't think it's Mark Brunell. I don't think it's... You are correct on all three of those. Yeah. It is not them. Yeah. God, who else could it be? I'm just... I don't think it's right. I'm just going to go with Kurt Warner. It was Doug Peterson. Oh, really? Oh, I had no idea. Wow. Okay. I. Yeah. Old number 18. I thought by saying backup, like... I mean, he's perhaps the best known backup quarterback in Packers history. Peterson? Well, I, Matt Flynn, but you're, I, I understand what you're, well, for an actual, like if you're... just holding a clipboard, yeah. Yeah. I always think of Craig Nall, too. I think he, if you put the, um, like, if the minimum is like 50 attempts, he has the best uh, pass rating in Packers history. I was, I, I remember as a kid, I, Craig Nall played in like relief for Brett Favre in like week 17 once against the Bears and had a great game. And I was like, oh my God, this guy might be our next quarterback. And of course, I'm like a 12 year old that doesn't know a damn thing about the NFL. But I was excited for Craig Nall might might be the only person in human history. But he had a pretty nice uh, full like goatee. I think he was also a deer hunter, too. And him and Brett were buddies and and would go hunting and stuff. But uh, all right. 
That's it for trivia. Billy, you put together the preview this week, so this is a very high-pressure moment for you. I did not have enough free time to do it, so I was like, hey, can you do it? You said yes, so all right, let's 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 see what you got. We were playing the Panthers. I'll, I'll yeah, lead so, you in that way. So the Carolina Panthers hosting the Packers on Sunday, uh, coming off just their second win of the year, a 9-7 to barn burner over the Falcons. Uh, so the Panthers coming in at 2-12, and and not surprisingly – not a lot to to like on either side of the ball. Uh, real quick, just offensively points per game, 29th. They scored less than 15 a game, 30th in yards per game, 31st in the pass. They're mediocre with the running game at 107 yards a game. That's 17th. They don't turn the ball over a ton, which is surprising with a young quarterback. They have 17 turnovers, which is tied for 12th in the league. Just 36% on third down, that's 24th. But the offensive line struggles with sacks. And part of that, again, might be a young quarterback. They've given up 54 sacks, which is 29th in the league. So pretty rough offensively. Defensively, kind of up and down, which is interesting and kind of surprised me as I started to put this together. Points per game is not good. They're 29th. They give up almost 25 points a game. But yards per game? They're third in the league at 292 yards, and they're third against the pass at 174. They're not terrible against the run either. They're 20th. Um, But where they struggle, turnovers. They've only forced 11 turnovers, including two against Atlanta last week, Hmm. which is last in the league. And kind of the same thing as the offensive side. They struggle in the pass rush department. Uh, 20 sacks, just 73 pressures, both of those last in the league. So a couple of bright spots, the yards per game, the pass, the pass yards per game, but also third, third downs, like you alluded to earlier, Spencer, uh, 36% for opponents, which is seventh in the league. So again, not a lot to get excited about from the team standpoint. Um, looking at some of the individual players, of course, led at quarterback by Bryce Young, the rookie uh, quarterback from Alabama, former Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, pretty up and down rookie year, I'd say. Under 2,400 yards passing, just 59% completion percentage. Nine touchdowns, nine picks, 72.2 quarterback rating. Chuba Hubbard, their leading rusher, 731 yards. Is that how you say it? Chuba, Chuba, I think Chuba. I think you're right because I I, uh, <laughs> I like saying Chuba. I, I listened to a uh, or watch... Uh, the dozen trivia and last year there was a woman who cheated and she saw his name and she said Chuba Hubbard, which was not how you say it. So that's how they knew she was. Okay. So I think it is Chuba. (laughs) Regardless, he's, he's been okay. 700 yards, less than four yards of carry four touchdowns. Um, Receiver though, their leading receiver is a guy that's killed the Packers in the past. His first year in Carolina, the former Viking Adam Thielen, has already had a better year than he had last year in Minnesota. 89 catches, 870 yards, four touchdowns. Otherwise, not a lot to get excited about in the receiving room. They have a second-round rookie from Ole Miss who has drafted a couple of spots ahead of Luke Musgrave. Mingo. Uh, Jonathan Mingo, 40 catches, 409 yards. And their tight ends, unfortunately, have just been really banged up. I don't know how much they use them anyway, but they've had five tight ends catch a pass. All of them have missed at least one game. 
and Hayden Hurst is or was their leading tight end coming into the season. He's on IR with post-traumatic amnesia after suffering a concussion against the Bears. Uh, but those five tight ends have combined for just 48 catches, 459 yards, and four scores. So, again, not a lot to get excited about on offense. I think they have some pieces, but losing DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey the last couple of years, I mean, don't know what you that, would expect. That didn't help. From them. Yeah, weird. Right. Okay. Defensively, more of the same. Frankie Louvu at linebacker is their leading tackler with 104. Nine tackles for loss, four and a half sacks. Uh, Brian Burns, the outside linebacker, is their leading pass rusher, but he's had a little bit of a down year too. He's playing on that fifth-year option. Uh, he has over 30 sacks the last three years combined, but has just six this year. Hmm. Uh, and in the secondary, Xavier Woods, I guess, is their, their leader there, 48 tackles, and he's had a hand in three of their 11 turnovers with two picks and a forced – or a recovered fumble, rather. So – uh, like I said at the top, a 2-12 and 12 team and just looking through their ranks offensively and defensively and some of the individuals, you can see why they've struggled. Okay, wow, very good, very thorough. Yeah, Brian Burns, that's the guy who I kind of wanted when we drafted Rashawn Gary. I think he was a little more refined coming out of college, but I don't know. I, I He's been a pro bowler and a pretty solid player either way, right? I don't think he could have right. really gone wrong there, which is what yeah, you get he yep. had nine, nine, and then I think like 12 and a half sacks the last yeah. three years. So been a productive player, but for whatever reason this year just hasn't been able to do much, just the six. And he has only missed the one game. So it's not like he's missed a bunch of time with injury. Maybe he's been banged up. I don't know. Yeah, that's still because, you know, people talk about or when you talk shit about when I talk shit about uh, Goody's early drafts, you know, it's Jair Alexander in the first one. That's it. That second one, there wasn't a ton either. It was with Sean Gary, Darnell Savage. Was it Savage in that one, or was it uh, Elton Jenkins? Either way, I was like, the, people count Rashawn Gary as a win, and I'm like, sure, but every outside linebacker and even um, Dexter Lawrence was there too. It's like you couldn't really go wrong taking a front seven player in that draft. But, uh, yeah, the Panthers, I don't know. Carolina got – the Panthers stadium is just a place where I feel like shitty games – can happen like there's a noon game being played in carolina not a lot of people in the seats i'm like yeah is this a game we could lose yeah did you see that last week todd there was nobody in the stands i i heard somewhere that uh they were they were selling tickets last week or maybe this week for like 50 cents on seat geek or Jeez. Ticketmaster or something but that's sad you hate to see an nfl team have to do that yeah. what's funny is espn claims that it was 95 percent full uh, yeah yeah they always what? get away with that how they they sell tickets uh, on their box one way score. Or another. they they have the the capacity and the attendance they say that over seventy thousand people attended that game i'd give them maybe like seventeen thousand. What the? I think they were saying like 5,000 is what people were like uh, estimating, I guess. Yeah, it's funny to hear that. But yeah, I don't know. The Panthers, I mean, we, we're we going to win, right? We have Like if we lose, that's the thing. If we lose this game and the defense is bad, it's like, do you fire Joe Barry with two games left? You know, at this point, it's like there's, there's really no reason to do it. And something I probably should have mentioned too, what I was kind of thinking could have happened or would have been the most Matt LaFleur move is if he didn't fire Joe Barry, but he just had Ryan Downer, the young safety or DB coach who's always next to Barry in the booth. They just 
Joe's still the defensive coordinator, but Ryan Downard's calling plays. That would have been the most Matt LaFleur move of all time. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I We have to win. Todd, do you think – what do you – do, do, do we, we have to? The Panthers? I don't know. If we lose, it's it's kind of good because the Bears probably won't get the first overall pick. Oh, fun angle. Um, yeah, I mean, I th- I still think we win, but I definitely am not counting out a loss. Okay. Right? Okay, I mean, yeah. that's definitely in the cards. I mean, good news if you're a Carolina Panthers fan listening. I'm sure there's plenty of you. If there's a get-right defense to play for Bryce Young, this is it. Right. So yeah. be excited about that. That's something to look forward to. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Do we, are we just going to go right into, yes. I don't have much yep, else. Yep. Do you want me to give you my yeah. prediction? I think the Packers win, but I'm not going to say handily. I'm still a little fearful of this defense. I'm going to say it's 28, which is pretty good for the offense. I'm going to say 28 to 23. We win. Billy. So full disclosure, going into this, I actually just completed a waiver wire pickup in my fantasy league. Oh, I was wondering. I, that. For those of you that watch the league, I'm in the Sacco, Ooh. which is not good. Mm. Uh, finished with the worst record in the league. But I picked up Bryce Young to start a quarterback this week oh, because God. fuck it. Why not? If, <laughs> if the last two quarterbacks have been named NFC Offensive Player of the Week against our yeah. defense, why can't Bryce Young? So I'm going all in. However, I can't pick us to lose to the Panthers for the reasons I discussed last week. Also, we've defeated the Panthers by the score of 24 to 16 each of the last two times we played them. And scored 24 points each of the last three times we've played them. Therefore, I'm going to go Green Bay 24, Carolina 16. God, that's weird. I didn't even look at that. I have a score prediction of 24-17. That just seems right. Like it should be closer than it than it should be with us playing them. Um, and I like that move too, picking up Bryce Young and starting him in fantasy. You always, I'm always about uh, hedging your happiness in bets. When the Vikings made that run in 2018, I bought it. I put in a bet for them to win the Super Bowl just because I'm like, if they win, I want it to benefit me somehow. It's a little so, consolation prize yes. for you. Yeah. So like the 50 bucks or whatever that I put in, I'm like, that is good. That is a great donation that I will give out for my happiness. Uh, Todd, do you have a bold prediction? Uh, I'm going to say Jordan Love, three touchdowns and over 300 yards. Is that bold enough? I guess against this they defense. Don't, they only, they're number two in yards. Yeah, how much yeah, of that is fair. because their defense keeps getting put in short field that, situations that's what because I was, their offense yeah. punts from their own 20? But that would bode poorly for the 300-yard stat. But they also probably run out the clock because they fucking, they're the worst, one of the worst teams in the league. So <laughs> I don't know, something about that too. I, I don't know. I think that'll be, that's good enough. Billy, do you have a bold prediction? Uh, I'm thinking defense on this one, and you mentioned him earlier. Lucas Van Ness had a sack against Tampa. He's got sacks in two of the last three games, so feels like maybe he's starting to figure Eating things up. out a little bit. Um, and Preston Smith hasn't been overly impressive the latter part of this year. So Overly impressed Sure. It, <laughs> oh, so it feels like bad. Lucas Van Ness is getting – you know, a little bit more playing time. So I'm going to say Lucas Van Ness has two sacks and a coming out party against Carolina. Okay, sure. I suppose that's bold enough. I also have a rookie, of course, someone I probably picked him earlier this year. who's my 
one guy I really liked coming out of the draft. And I still think he's going to be a good player. I have Anthony Johnson Jr. getting an INT in this game. That's my pick. I think he's hopefully we start playing these young guys a little bit more down the stretch too, especially with what we've seen with from the other safeties of recent uh, in the recent games. But yeah, cool. Very good. Hopefully we win. I do have a correction. Do we have anything else on this game? I don't think we have anything else on this game, right? Yeah. No. The Panthers are such a like blah. Yeah, blah. Just if you have like that turquoise color or whatever in your part of your scheme, I'm like, yeah, I don't really care. The, that blue, that weird blue. Boilers. That's good, but that's different because of the like light blue and the other blue and the red. I yeah, think this that is like a well. teal. Like the Jags and the Panthers yeah. have the same color. Came in the same year, have that same color. Oh, I didn't realize oh, that. Oh, the Jags do have that, yeah. I if gun to head, I would have thought the Panthers had been in the league longer than the Jags. The Jags. I, the same year, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Uh, corrections from last week. I do have one. I was surprised listening back. Maybe that you guys, maybe you didn't notice either. I accidentally... Refer to Jordan Love as Aaron Rodgers going through like throws yep. during the game. So I did call him Aaron Rodgers. So I apologize for that. But uh, that's all I have. I have a correction. Uh, Aaron Hernandez was definitely found guilty of murder. Yeah. Yeah. Todd, that was. But then, okay. Okay. Then I'm. Okay. Then he <laughs> killed himself because the civil suit was coming and they were going to take all his money. That's what it was then. He, he was he was guilty of murdering himself. Hand up. He was guilty. Obviously, he was in jail. So yeah, he was guilty. But the civil suit was coming. Okay, okay. and that's why he unalived. That that's allegedly like, what the the Netflix series. What was it? Making a murderer. Like it's kind of came out that that dude very clearly murdered that woman. Like they just left a bunch of shit out of the original documentary. Like that they had a previous relationship, and uh, this is not good. We've left too much yet about murder and killing and things. they had a previous relationship the, he knew that her. woman and that man the, not like i don't think that type of relationship but he it wasn't like a rant this random woman it wasn't random was, yes gotcha was okay some things ahead of that so all right anything else packer related or murder killing 9-11 related nothing i have no more murder things okay. well with that <laughs> eric koskinen and anyone offended please don't sue us I worked all year, I worked all month, then they took my money away, now I don't care. Cause they ain't working like me down here. And I said, hey now, little baby, I'm gonna be put down. The gal is like, whose duffel bag is this? And I'm like, oh, it's mine. Kind of walk over, follow her. She unzips it and starts like just rifling through it. Goes right for this this wrapped can of hot chocolate mix. She's like, what's this? I'm like, well, it's, it's hot chocolate mix. And she pulls out like these pieces of paper, these yellow pieces of paper that look like, yeah, that almost look like post-it notes or something. And starts rubbing them all over the top, the bottom, the sides of this thing. And then pulls out these little, like, eyedroppers of a clear and a blue solution. Drops them onto the papers. Nothing happened. She looks at me. 
okay, you're clear. And she just turns around and walks away, and it's like, okay, well, I guess I'll grab my socks and my hot chocolate, put all this stuff back into my duffel bag. So I don't know if she thought that it was an explosive or what it was, but... What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.